Brian, and this is Reggie, and this is R&B Talks. Hello, everybody. Reg, how are you? Good, man. Good. Good. Busy week. Yeah. I feel like we both had busy weeks. Yeah. A little nuts. A little nuts. You know. I gotta say, it was impressive yesterday to be at the band competition and watch. You know, we talk about the, you know, like the, the society of me, right? Um, and uh, to see those kids get together and do those shows, man, was actually kind of refreshing. It wasn't even a lot about the music. It was about watching, you know, my kids, you know, my son out there doing his thing and my other son up there with me cheering him on. And it's nice to see some teamwork going on, man. It is, dude. I mean, those kids put a lot of effort into that stuff. Oh, for sure. I mean, and it's... uh. You know, it's cool when it all works. Well, you're a former band, dude. Oh, I was a supreme band geek, dude. Dude, there's nothing wrong with that. I was never a band geek. And, dude, I'm a band geek dad for sure, right? Like, I'm down. I love watching him play. I love watching the team do their thing. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to see their show. And, you know, it's been impressive. And they they made it through, man. I was very proud of them. They made it through to semi-state and placed well and, even though they had a little bit of a rough go of it, they still managed to squeak it out and get out there and move on. So I was really hyped for them. They get a week's break, and then there's nothing for the next seven days. And then they go back to school. They start practicing. And then the 21st, I believe, is semi-state. And uh, that'll be cool, man. I can't wait to see the whole show. with all. They have all their stuff out there. It's going to be really cool. It'll be cool, man. Yeah, I'm excited. What's funny is those, like, they go – it's almost where it's at the end of the season before they actually get the entire thing on the field. Yeah. I, that I last year I thought something being my first year, I thought something was wrong. I was like, why won't they do the whole show? I was like, what, what's wrong with the show? Yeah. It's not that it just, it's there's so much to it that it just takes that long. Cause yeah. uh, the way that, the way that high school does it is not the same as like other schools. Other schools yeah. will take the entire summer and debt, Dedicate that to learning the entire show before they go out. Yeah. Or most of it, you know? Um, but no, they don't do that there, but which is, you know, look, it's worked so far. And, and I mean, what? Yeah. But yeah, it's really cool. It, that was one, that was really great when I was in high school to be part of all that. Um, and it, we, it was rewarding and it was, you know, it was fun to be that guy. Um, I was the drill and, you know, the, um, drum major, um, all so that what's, stuff. So what's that like, man? I always wondered, you know, like of all the things being the drum major, what was that like? I mean, that's gotta be different in the sense of you're not playing an instrument. And it's really, it's, a, it's, if you think about it this way, it's truly a leadership position. Okay. No, you're not playing an instrument, but you're like trying, you're, you're motivating and you're, helping the rest of the band function so it's you're up when you're up there like waving your arms around is really the like not even that's like the half percent of really what your job is the rest of the time is really most of your job is about watching communicating helping lead fix stuff you know in 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 a smaller capacity because obviously the directors and stuff have have the say so and on things but that's what you do so I've noticed that bands have like 
five drum majors, some have two, some have four, some have three. What is it? Is it the type of show and the marching that decides that, or is it the size of the band that decides that? Or you know, I think it's just the different philosophies, dude. Because I mean, I, it's probably some of all of that. Yeah, fair enough. You know, um, if I had to, if I had to make up my own like rules, I would say number of number of band members you have on the field so that you have kind of a leader you have leadership throughout the whole scope of it and then i'd say second to that would be the type of show it is and then also if there's like something specific i, I needed a particular type of i wouldn't say instruction or drum major type of thing but maybe there would be somewhere along the way Okay. I might have something different, but yeah. So, so yeah, I would say that's probably, probably, yeah. I want you to know something. Yeah. I know you were distracted by my blue shoes. So today I wore purple. I know <laughs> that that was going to be brought up at some point. I, I thought I'd go ahead and, you know, kill it. Right. Just put it out there. I'm wearing purple shoes. Dude, I'm telling you, they're just going to keep changing colors, man. You're just going to get used to it. There's going to be red. It's gonna be some some yellow, maybe some green. We're going rainbow, dude. Full on rainbow. Hold on. What 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 am I holding on for? Oh shucks, Brian. Those are purple. <laughs> they are purple. You you use the word shucks. Now I gotta find a zoot suit and spats. <laughs> Okay, he bet me, Brian bet me that I wouldn't use shucks in, in the in a in a statement. And, and I made a bet on something. I don't even know where to buy zoot suit and spats, man. I don't even know what spats are. Let's be honest. Okay, a you ain't gonna be able to find a zoot suit in my size unless you go to somebody who's like really expensive. So there's that. Okay. Two, I have no shoes to put spats on anyway. So it really so spats aren't shoes. No, spats. Okay. It's a whole conversation, really, because there's okay. spats are you know spats are important. Not really. It's just old school. I, but don't, I don't really I, feel. I believe they're like they go over top of your dress shoes as like a protective thing. Um, now I want to know what you're doing in dress shoes that you need to protect them. Well, really, <laughs> think about think about when they were worn, dude. You're talking about the 20s and stuff where people had like one pair of shoes. Fair enough. You know what I mean? So it's like like you know. They were eating like porridge. You know, they were, I mean, working in their dress shoes. And I mean, you know, dude. So, uh, you know, <laughs> dramatic pause. Someday, somewhere along the way, I have to come up with a zoot suit and spats. We'll figure this one out. I'll oh, keep yeah. you in for, I'll keep you in the loop, ladies and gentlemen, on, on the spats and the zoot suit. <laughs> oh, well, Reggie. Speaking of uh, technologies and all the things that we use during this podcast, I think we should talk about our first sponsor. We should. Okay. Are you a small business or solo entrepreneur looking for more of a presence online? Technology is ever-changing, and with more and more people spending most of their time on screens, it's important to have your brand out and about getting the most exposure possible. 
Worried about not having a big budget for website design or social media? At Edwards Managed Technology Computer Consulting, we cater to every business or solar entrepreneur's individual needs to come up with a plan that works for your product and your wallet. Interested in learning about how we can manage your online presence so that you can spend your time doing what you love to do instead? Visit www.emtcc.net to make an appointment or give us a call at 1-888-551-2770. Mention R&B Talks for 10% off your appointment. Remote and on-site options available. So, I've been watching the show Suits. Okay. You know, you're the second person to tell me that this week. It's on Netflix. Lay it on me. And, and like, okay, so, so here's... Here's what I want to tell you. Like, it, it was so. It's really predictable, uh, and it's kind of un, unreal to like a tenth degree on a lot of things. But it, there was one character on there that just only reason why I still watch it. Lewis, his name on the in the show is Lewis Lip, and this dude is like the most dorkiest. Like, it's just, he's just a character. And his interactions are just funny, but the whole. Let me tell you what the whole show like. It I don't think it intended to do this, but it's like a a a definite like course on how ego and greed will fail you <laughs> over and over again and make you do dumb stuff that causes you further problems, further problems, further problems. For example, they're, they always tend to do like these, these things in order to win their case that are like either it's illegal period or it's questionable or they got to do something else. And then, so they'll do it, they'll win their case, but then like later it comes back and it's biting them on the ass. It's like, it's a constant theme of this show. And it's like, well, such a, it's just such a freaking just, why not to be a complete asshole and greed monger in, in the world, dude, it is totally like that. Okay. Well, I'm assuming suits by the name means that they are like oh, business folks or they're like corporate. It's, it's centered or? around a law firm in New York. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah. And, uh, just the way it's just, Man, they're, they're, the main character is this this guy named Harvey Specter, who's like the a managing partner of a firm with Jessica Pearson. Um, I can't remember who plays Harvey, but uh, Gina Torres plays um, Jessica Pearson, and she's great. She's the same. So I knew her from far uh, from. Um, um, Firefly, great so, show. By oh the yeah, way. but she so she's the the wife of the pilot mm -hmm. in in Firefly, right? Yep. And so the and, and seeing her in this though, she's epic in this show though. I mean, like this is she's really good. Um, and then you got like a guy named uh, Mike Ross, who's this prodigy kind of guy who remembers who has a photographic memory kind of thing. It's like and, the up and coming suit. Sort of, but he like he's like been in some trouble, and it's to not spoil it, but yeah, it's anyway. It's it's a good show in 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 a lot of ways, but it does get it's gotten a little old now. I'm in the fourth season about like how they constantly get this kind of the same shtick where they they did something to win a case and it's comes back. It's constant. 
you know, people are out. It's really cutthroat out there. To, and and while I see I see some of that in the real world, like it don't play out quite the same. You know, it's really over dramatized yeah. to like a nth degree. You know, but that's part of the reason why we watch those shows, right? Because mm-hmm. we, I don't know, maybe we crave the ability to see the impossible through. You know, it's kind of like watching a movie. I mean, all right, so let's take Fast and Furious for example. First movie, great. Am I going to say it was perfectly realistic? No. Plausible? Sure. Second one? Eh. Third one? Eh. Because it goes too far. But then now, like, he's jumping off the exploding Hoover Dam and driving down it in a car that literally doesn't have the capability of doing so. Like, there's a point, I feel like, with every show, they sort of jump the shark, right? Like, they get to a point where they've run out of ideas, and then they jump the shark and they come up with crazy stuff like, um, you know, the best shows in the world are the ones that end when they should. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, you know, but there are shows that. Like, for instance, Eureka was a show I watched. And meanwhile, we, me and my wife has watched that whole series like four times all the way through. And it did. It did lose momentum and it kind of did but it was such a great show you're like you wanted to watch it anyway because it was really cool firefly was one like i have no idea why they shut that one off but when they did it that was insane um but there are others like stargate sg1 yeah 10 seasons of that thing i mean it really lost its way i mean not lost its way but man it did get like oh here we go again yay I feel like Big Bang Theory was a perfect example of that. I think after season three, you sort of just got it, right? Yeah, probably, like, yeah. I mean, they went 12 seasons, man. And yeah, it was, it, it was it's a lot. And I watched all 12 seasons, and but I felt like at the end, although the, the series finale was cool, I liked it a lot. I liked the way they ended it. They ended it classy. Um, I feel like this, you just kept getting a recycled storyline. Yeah. You know, just a different script going in the same direction. And you were like, oh, you know, um, but I hate to say this, but they they even did it. All right. I'm uh, I'm about to really upset some Star Wars fans. I feel like. All right. New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Jedi. Great. Phantom Menace. The, 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 the prequels. They had a point, right? They told a story. We got to learn about how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. We got to learn about where Luke and Leia came from. But then we get into, you know, seven, eight, and nine. And seven, The Force Awakens, was literally a retelling of A New Hope. Right? Okay, you are totally not saying anything that all the Star Wars nerds aren't saying. Oh, dude, I've had Star Wars nerds yell at me because they're like it's just a re it's a it's a reimagined masterpiece it, it, no it is, it, it's, no, it's the, hot garbage no. is what it is no 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 they're not and now Star Wars they nerds. just talked about the fact that they're doing a th- they're now doing a fourth trilogy where they're going to completely reinvent the universe as far as characters are going to wipe the slate clean which probably is what they should have done in seven eight nine i mean look there's so many other ways you can tell Star Wars universe type of things. So, I yeah. mean, okay, but don't, I would say you don't disrupt the original canon and 
either have it in a like a different time and yeah or something, but don't have it with you know. Well, I digress. Okay. So one thing about suits and Firefly, Eureka, Star Wars, <laughs> Big Bang Theory, they have relationships in them. For sure. And they dramatize the relationships. For sure. Um, and some of those relationships don't quite go so well. Even Absolutely. with telling of divorce. Yes. Very true. Very true. Hence why today we're going to talk about divorce. We've talked about marriage. Mm-hmm. Talked about wives and husbands and men and women and all this kind of stuff, but I want to delve into the topic of divorce. Well, I think you and I are, are a little bit, we, we both are equally qualified to talk about this subject for different reasons. True. You because you've been through a divorce and me because I come from a family full of it. Um, so, you know, I think that this is a, a great topic to talk about from a worldly standpoint, but from a biblical standpoint, because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions and lack of clarity when it comes to this subject, especially as I did the research this week. Um, wow. There's just a lot of <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, one of the things, and I bring this up just kind of on an off thing, dude, the, 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 uh, I was bumping into these things that would say all the proper reasons for divorce. And it was like the teeter and weeder law firm. These people are hateful. Like the stuff that they were put posting was just tainted with just literal <laughs> horrifying amounts of misinformation and hateful rhetoric about marriage. And I was like, it is impossibly upsetting that, this is available to anyone who types the word divorce into the Google machine and it, it throws back this information. I was literally shocked. Like I, I couldn't even really kind of fathom. Why would they, you know, I mean, I know they're lawyers and they're looking for clients and want to make money, but dude, some of the stuff they put out there was absolute garbage, you know, but see, there's, there's a, Let me say this. There, there is a point where it's like too far with yeah. how they approach things. And you're, you're, you're actually going to make a, um, a negative impact in society by how you're promoting your business or trying to affect a certain thing that is your business. Yeah, for sure. And that was one of them I saw as well. Yeah. Like, and, and really, if you think about it too, how the family court systems are nowadays, it's heavily slanted towards the mother. Absolutely. Especially by, in America. Well, I'm yeah, I'm talking about U.S. really because, yeah. you know, you can talk about other things. But, but in the U.S., heavily slanted towards that where it's really difficult for the father to really even get a 50-50 type of thing going on unless the mother is, like, willing to do it. Or another train wreck. Whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, but even then, it's still – I mean, so so – and part of that, and, and, and why I say, I bring up the family court system, that it's easy for the mother to make accusations that are unfounded uh, and to help and have that be effectual in those actual systems. Yeah. 
for sure. Uh, and it's insane. Well, it's the same reason why, you know, and, and, and this is very controversial, but it, in a way it's the same reason why, you know, a woman can abuse a man, assault a man, be vicious to a man. And if she calls the cops and the cops arrive more than likely, the man is the suspect. Yeah. You know, and that's, I believe that it's, you know, you know, and, and one of the things that, that, that shocks me about divorce too is how kids are used as leverage a lot. You know, I have a whole section we're going to get to about that, but because that, I think that bothers me, my personal experience um, coming up, my mother used to use my father as not only leverage against me, uh, would tell me things about my father that no child needs to know, even if they were true or untrue, you wouldn't want to say that to a kid. But secondly, you know, used me as leverage with him, which was just, Dude, what a terrible thing to do. You know, what a what an awful precedent to set, right? Like, you know, to manipulate someone through a child. That just is ridiculous. Like, okay, so let's one one thing I I saw on um Instagram this week was like a little short video. And I even forgot what where it was, but it was in uh I don't I tried to go back and find it, but I couldn't. But the the point's really valid. There's a massive difference in how this how the of uh, uh, the female and the male look at each other's success as a attractive quotient, if you want to call it. Yeah. Like a dude who's really successful could find like some girl who like I don't know who who works anywhere it doesn't matter she's she's a maid or works at like burger king or um stocks shelves at target or or something like that and it would that successful guy would be totally okay with that what that you know that female if she's whatever right if she's sweet and and nice and you know wants to take care whatever meets his expectations right that's totally okay and acceptable you have a really successful woman though. There's really, 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 it's, it's almost not ever going to happen where they're going to look at some dude who's like a, you know, could be in a cook at changes the, the, oil at the valve. Yeah. Or die. And it's yeah. like, Oh yeah, let's, let's make this work. Yeah. Cause the way they, they see that. Right. But yet in, when you go through something like a divorce, it just doesn't, you know, it's just it's so slanted towards the mother or whatever. I, and the only reason why I bring that up because it just it just it's important to think about because those <laughs> that kind of thing is why we we actually spoke about this before the the male father figure has the I guess gets the respect and gets the attention and all that stuff that we talk about because there is all these other expectations and, and responsibilities set on the man. But before, but in, as far as the family goes, there's some, t- well, hold on. There's a t- statistic, right? So um, the father is eight times more likely to commit suicide after the divorce mm-hmm. than the mother. True. 
fathers and at the same token though it you, you see that statistic but like the father is far more likely to change jobs or relocate or something like that for the sake of the children mm-hmm. like give up passions and stuff i for one have done this where i have taken jobs i've taken promotions i've done this because not because i didn't like what i was doing but because it furthered my ability to provide for my kids so it i i quit playing music for a little bit a long time ago for the same reason because i needed to focus on this because of my kids yeah right so there's things that the the fathers are far more likely to do that kind of thing yeah than the mother and then at the same token though they're not treated fairly in the court system well i mean let's talk about i mean people don't realize that the stress that we carry i mean i mean think about it i mean we're supposed to be gentlemen we're supposed to open the door for a woman but a lot of times we're told well she can do that for herself you know we we do you know most of the things that we were raised to do as men are looked down upon until we don't do them (laughs) right um which includes provide for our family you know i was very lucky you know starting a basically all over again my wife is amazing in the sense that she's was willing to to put a lot of stuff on hold for me to do that yeah and we're now gaining traction and we're now getting in a better place and uh but there's just no there's no respect for the 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 construct of marriage right like it, it, it's you know we're building people are building in back doors before they're ever married. Yeah. You know, there and, and and for me, you know, my wife and I spoke and she actually reminded me of this the other day. When we first got together and started dating, she was in college. And I told her, you know, we're not gonna get married till you get through college, right? Because I don't want to be the reason that you quit going after the what you want. But I also told her, I said, you know, I'm not going to do this breakup to makeup thing. We're either together or we're not. If we if we love and care about each other enough to take this down the road, if you leave or you say you don't want to do this anymore, the door's not open anymore. Because at that point, what respect are we going to have for each other if we allow that kind of behavior to sure. go on? And then with and we've carried that through our entire marriage. Right. You know, and we've had great highs and great lows, just like any marriage. But we've always had that in our mind that we committed to this. Like we we have children. We've built a life. We've worked hard, you know, and there's still more to come. Right. But there's just no there's no respect for the for the relationship construct, the marriage construct, because where they were considered lifelong contracts before, they're now just considered pit stops right well i'll get married and if it works out great and if it doesn't great you know and that to me is you know that to me is it's just unfathomable that you would link to someone and then so easily devastate a life maybe the life of your children i mean i read this this is from restoredministry.com and this is the top re top things that kids go through um struggle in their own romantic relationships, get divorced, 
They're 60% more likely to get divorced if they come from a divorced family. Struggling relationships with their parents. There's resentment. There's anger for damaging relationship with the other parent. Um, Attempts at suicide. Kids are five times more likely to attempt suicide if they're in a divorce. They're more likely to experience emotional problems like depression, anxiety, and loneliness. Struggle with low self-esteem. Experience health and social problems. I mean, these are all, not only are you are you splitting up a family, right? Not only are you, in most cases, is the husband being ostracized because regardless of what happens, you know, when the friend group split up, where do they usually go? They go with the wife's side, right? Um, but now you're hammering your kids with all this. You're, you're, you're spiking your kids' lives with, you're poisoning their future by teaching them that marriage is, is something that you can take apart, right? Which it's not, which it was never meant to be that way. But see, you start off on that foot and you're already looking at it as a failure. Yeah. So you've, you've already said, well, I'm doing this, but that could be a pit stop kind of thing. Yep. Then you're, you're already putting the, you're already putting in a failure point. That's, that's problem number one. The second one is that you're not, What's the value of marriage then to you? I mean, why why even get married if it's just like that? I mean, is it just a tax d- deduction? Then, okay, then you're putting money over the, over a relationship. Like, well, that if, doesn't make any. That's not going to work. If it's a business partnership, get married and just have the marriage certificate. Go do your own thing, right? Like, yeah. don't if it's a business partnership. Essentially, is what you're calling it at that point. Is yeah, tax I mean, but look, the, all those the, things, right? The, so, at the same token, we if we're, we have a different view on what that very means. true very true so so i mean there's that's not really cool either and now look here's the big point i want to make today okay divorce is not always a no-go it's it's not always really a it can be actually a good thing for certain relationships men and women are flawed we are and we can really mess up things and we can mess up things in a big way and sometimes it's good to break that up and go your own way and i want to make that very clear even in the church some christian sects if you want to call them have this ridiculous like you cannot get divorced period kind of attitude yeah no and i mean look i'm not not saying that the sanctity of marriage i'm not saying that even jesus himself didn't repeatedly go back to the genesis account of one flesh but there's definite absolutely cases where it's unhealthy and it's not holy to stay in that marriage and some in repeated adultery attempts and repeated, uh, like if people just abandon their spouse and you can stretch out that abandonment kind of thing to kind of go some other than just the blatant, like somebody just took off and left. But I mean, I think if you're abusing your spouse, you've abandoned them at that point that yeah. you are no longer doing that kind of thing. And it's, um, and this is, kind of, look, I've known some people who stayed in a marriage that they were being abused because they just thought they couldn't get divorced. They thought it was just not on the table. 
and they were being abused physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. No, they're being torn down. That is not a relationship that God is saying he blesses. Now, I've seen also cases where there was an abusive situation and drastic things happened that were borderline miraculous where that not only got resolved, but the marriage stayed intact and it flourished after that point. But that is extremely rare. So I just want to make that very clear that the Bible has stipulations and is it's got divorce in the Bible on purpose. It's not like it's there by accident. And I think, and again, <laughs> this, this rhetoric where you you keep, everybody keeps saying, well, we don't like divorce, all this stuff. Well, call, if you call in something <laughs> that's biblically taught that has been misused, but has a biblical foundation, and you're going to sit there and spew that crap where you say, well, you don't believe in divorce. You are actually spewing nonsense and untruth, and it does not belong anywhere in the church. Well, here's it's funny that you mentioned that because I I pulled this article out, and we'll put this in the posts on YouTube, but I want to read you something. Okay, so it says there is only one reason for divorce explicitly mentioned in Scripture, which is sexual immorality. Matthew 5, 32, Most Bible teachers also consider the abandonment of a believing spouse by an unbelieving spouse to be reason for divorce based on the non-bound phrase in 1 Corinthians seven fifteen. Correct. Are there any other valid reasons for divorce beyond these two? Perhaps. But we must be careful not to go beyond what is written in 1 Corinthians 7.15. Once we start presuming on Scripture, we put ourselves in the dangerous position of claiming to know what God meant instead of submitting to what God actually said. Our hearts truly go out to those in difficult marriages. A bad marriage can be heart-wrenchingly painful, and it is immensely difficult It is immensely difficult to know how to bring healing and restoration. Even if one spouse has a valid reason for divorce, he or she should never be quick to file. God's desire for marriage is one flesh relationship of a man and a woman in an unbroken union for life. Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19.5-6. Divorce is always a tragedy with many lasting ramifications, even if it does occur for biblical reasons. The most commonly proposed reason for divorce not found in Scripture is physical abuse. On this point, we need to be clear whether or not a divorce is sought, a spouse who is being physically abused, abused should be immediately remove themselves from the situation and seek safety. Yes. If there are children involved, they should be protected. Separating from an abuser is wise. And there is nothing in the Bible to forbid it. (laughs) Protecting oneself and one's children is morally right. Most Bible teachers would agree that unrepentant and or continued physical abuse is a reason for divorce but is not an explicit biblical reason. So I, I believe yes. that there is a look. If if your husband's hitting you, husbands, if your wife is hitting you, um, if 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 you're hitting your if one of the others hitting the the children and abusing the children, leave. There, if they are unwilling to seek counseling and change their behavior. Which am I a believer that there should be an opportunity given for that? Sure. This is getting bad. You need to fix this or I'm leaving. You don't fix it. I leave. 
right? But no, under no circumstance should a marriage remain intact for an unrepentant, you know, unapologetic, abusive individual in that relationship. Okay. Right. Let me, let me. The idea of divorce is around because people don't take marriage seriously enough. Yeah. Now in the old Testament, it was really a tool for the, like the rulers to use. And it was really anti-woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so let's get that straight. Jesus is the one who kind of pulled that around in the New Testament and kind of brought it into saying, no, it's also, he, he kind of brought it in for protection of women too. What, what I want to tell, what I want to say here. Okay. Is it's like this. If you value marriage, if and especially if you're a Christian and you think you want to be married, then the steps to make your marriage divorce proof start way before you're, you even consider your partner. You start making yourself more godlike, more self, more Christ-like, more, you know, making sure you're looking at those properties in your potential spouse. You're make that a very stiff and unwavering criteria for your spouse is that they are on the same page as you, as far as your belief system goes, you discuss the roles and responsibilities of each man and woman in the relationship and what that means to you. If you're going to have kids or you're not going to have kids or how, and if you do have kids, what's that going to look like? And all this kind of stuff, you must make all of this stuff a priority before you ever even get to that marriage covenant. If you do that, the div- chance of your divorce is going to be a lot less by a hundred times, probably. Now you're in a situation right now, you made a mistake or you became, let's, let's take, I mean, cause I'm sure. And I've known this, like, okay, you got married at right out of high school. You became a Christian later on in life. And now you have a spouse and you and you're fighting and you kind of on the different, you know, I I think if you've, if you've be, if you've accepted Christ and you're trying to follow him, you got to look at the biblical foundation for what marriage is and try to work through your issues. Yes. And there's plenty, plenty of counseling or pastoral people or, or whatever that, that can help you with that. And I'm, so, yes, the marriage covenant is absolutely important, and it shouldn't be violated just the whim. But if you've got yourself into a situation and you're getting beat on or – Whoever's sleeping around a lot and just refuses to stop, get away. Yeah. Bolt. That, that I'm telling you, there's not there's no biblical thing in here that says that's going to be looked bad. Yeah. From from a godly standpoint. There's not. Yeah. And and it's if you're trying to protect yourself or your kids, and especially I'm talking about your kids, I know a lot of daggone people our age who will take a beating and, you know, they'll keep trucking along and they're, you know, whatever, but your kids aren't like that. No, it should never be like that. Um, 
it, go, go, get, get the hell away. And I tell you what, there's probably some, <laughs> there's probably some pretty good sized dudes around in your church who will help you with that. Well, I've been there, you know, coming from the background I came from, you know, I think part of what you should probably consider as well is, you know, take a look at, and this is something I wish I would have done before I got married. And, and, you know, I feel like I would have been a lot less difficult a husband to deal with for a lot of those beginning years, because you need to look at who you are just in a general sense, who you are, what are your habits? What are your behaviors? Are these things going to benefit you in a marriage? Do you need to start working on changing them? Um, love's one thing. But, you know, being a stalwart and a strong individual and, and being able to say no to your, to your, to your ambitions and bad habits and the things that you're carrying in is, is of vast importance. And, you know, I'll go back. I take that back. <laughs> I would, if my wife, if there's any one thing that I do need to apologize to my wife for in that, that's probably the first couple of years we were married because I don't, I was ill-equipped like, and, 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 and to me, marriage was, we get married, we live together, we have a life. I didn't understand anything beyond that. Right. And coming from a background of, you know, my mom is twice divorced. My dad is multiple times divorced. Um, I've got aunts and uncles that are, you know, multiple times divorced uh, on my dad's side and my mom's side. Um, and I, I, I didn't look at those as examples on what not to do. I looked at those as examples of, wow, you know, there must've been a good reason, right? Must've been, but there's only a few good reasons. Um, and most of the ones that I was involved in, including including my mom and dad, weren't abuse. They were just, just, you know, ill-gotten information in hopes that they could make something work without doing any planning, right? How many how many people do we know that are that say, well, you know, we messed around and she got pregnant and we got married. Let's be clear. Just because a girl is pregnant is not a reason to get married. Now, you will have to deal with the fact that you brought a life into the world. But that ain't necessarily a reason to get married. But, okay. And I know that's going to be very controversial for me to say. I I, I don't disagree. Yeah. I would say that that goes back to... That's that's a that's a cultural problem we have in that we aren't lifting up and glorifying uh waiting until you're married before you have sex. Yeah. Look, I I am a firm believer that you should you if you have sex that and that becomes a kid you should never have sex with that person unless you're willing to marry that person. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Now, like you said, accidents happen or whatever. But let's say you're already engaged. Mm-hmm. And she gets pregnant. 
get married. Yeah, for sure. Before the kid comes. Yeah. So you don't have your kid out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. That's still not a good thing. Yeah, it's still, it's still the wrong way to start. It, it is. But I'm saying at least you're getting married before the kid's there so that they, they're brought, they're, they start their life in a home with a, a husband and a wife that's a mother and a father. Absolutely. Now, if you're at a place where you have a one-night stand with somebody and all that stuff, you know, that's a horrible, I mean, look, again, that goes back to how you're living your life before you ever got yeah, there. That's a hot garbage situation for sure, right? But, but I mean, look, but, you, 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 you don't just, like, I know a lot of women who have just said, well, I don't even know his number anymore. Okay. Okay. But you, you got to make an effort because maybe that guy that you didn't know hardly anything about, maybe he, he would make a really great dad, yeah. you know? Or something. I mean, and, you know, and the church, the church, and I'll tell you, this is where I'm, I'm putting a lot of this on the, the Christian body itself. Okay. Because the way they handle this stuff sometimes is appalling. Absolutely. Okay. Like there is no way you should be having people in your church, like giving stink eyes and all this stuff to people who they're coming to your church because they're lost. And they're pregnant, but they, you know, whatever, or it's some dude who's been sleeping around and they're just going to check it out. Uh, I mean, <laughs> having, maybe they're having, uh, whatever the case may be, stop. Yeah. And you stop it right freaking now. Yeah. You start looking at Jesus and what he did. Love them, get them on the right path, fix them before you start trying to dig into like their wrongdoings with all this nonsense so you can avoid the freaking divorce later. Yeah. Look, let's, I want to make this abundantly clear as well. The divorce should be avoided at all costs, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen and it shouldn't happen for a reason. Well, I got to go back to my man, jelly roll, jelly roll, jelly roll, baby. Jelly roll said, he goes, the biggest problem with the church nowadays is, um, the way they treat people that are not already in the church. He said, um, you got to look back at what Jesus did, man. Jesus, you know, Jesus, you know, hung out with lepers and prostitutes and, 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 and the worst of the worst, you know, cause he knew that they needed that love. And, and when I got brought into the family, when I got baptized and became, you know, a man of Christ, I, I made a commitment to love like Christ loved. So, you know, I make a, I make a point to love on people that are not in the church. I mean, I love my church, man. My church is great. I love my people in the church. I, I feel like I'm in a really good body, smaller church, um, doing great work, you know, shout out to all those people. But, you know, I, I spend a lot of time keeping my radar up for people who are, are truly broken, right? Because those are the ones that need to see and hear the message more than anybody, right? Like, you know, just, hey, man, I've, I've had people tell me absolutely horrifying things about themselves. And I don't ever stop the stop the boat, right? Like, hey, man, that's cool. You know? Okay. If anyone hears something that's horrifying, you can look in the mirror yeah. and see something else horrifying. Yeah. The second thing is, Jesus didn't walk up to a tax collector and say, here's some, here's some diversity and inclusivity for you. Yeah. You belong here. Yeah. No. He said, repent, sin no more, follow me. Yep. 
you we must interact with everybody. We must love That's everybody. Right. But that does not give you carte blanche to say all are all are you know do keep doing whatever you're doing wrong and it's cool no it's not Not (laughs) jesus never did that either yeah we got to make that clear like yeah you can go hang out with people who are different you but your goal is to encourage lift them up and help them change and to become the new flesh that jesus calls you to be not to just wallow in your sin, keep doing what you're doing. No, that's not it. So this, like, Jesus is love and God is love. Yes, he is. But it's there's definite <laughs> the ridge lines there that say what you're doing is right or wrong in his view. That's okay? fair enough, yeah. So whether we're talking about, I don't know, today, it's just, like, today it just gets so completely corrupted of nonsense and it drives me nuts dude so and i say all that to get back to this okay there's some there's some real clear um things if you happen to be in a divorce situation and you got kids uh what what must be the most important thing is the kids so when i was listening to a um uh, a Jordan Peterson podcast because he he actually had one that said the do's and don'ts of divorce, mm-hmm. and uh, he had the guy on that we've talked about before, Warren Farrell, mm-hmm. Doctor Warren Farrell, and he had some like some four things to do after you get divorced, and I thought these were worth mentioning. He said equal amount of time with the mother and father, mm-hmm. that's barring some kind of addiction or whatever. Or, or some kind of behavior that needs to be fixed. Because sometimes, you know, there's things that would... Barring addiction or aberrant behavior. Would it, yeah. Yes. Uh, the father and mother should live with within 20 minutes of each other. Yep. To make sure that you're not... And what he was talking about there was like, you don't want the child to be thinking, I'm, I'm missing out on something because of this, right? Because of travel time here, or I can't go back to here because of... You know, you still want their lives to be what like experiencing the whatever they're doing without having to like say, well, I can't go to practice day because I got to drive up to, you know, th- four hours to my dad's house or whatever. He, he was really saying that you want to you want to make sure that the mother and father live within the close enough to where it's non-disruptive for the child's life. Yeah. Put aside your own nonsense. You already you, you none got there. So, look, you got to start thinking about that. Um, This is this one. I think you and I both know this one very well. The children cannot experience bad mouthing or body language between the mother and the father. Yep. It's just exactly what you said. Like if the mom comes in and is like, oh, your dad did this and booker booker and doing all this nonsense, or it's like, oh, your mom's this and this and this. Well, you know what? Your your child is part you and her. Uh-huh. He he's looking if it's a son, he's looking at the dad as like a that's what he's going to be. And if you're saying, well, my dad is this and this and this, you're telling your son that is who he's going to be as well. If the same thing goes to the mother, you're 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 telling him, look, you're telling him or her that this is the person who you will be. Let me tell you how legitimate that is. First hand experience. Um, my mom spent a tremendous amount of time just verbally destroying my dad. 
um, when my wife and I got married and she got pregnant with Caleb, my son, our firstborn, shout out, son, love you to death. Uh, I was horrified at what kind of father I was going to be because I would hear my mother in my head right. telling me all of the horrible things that my father ever did, <laughs> which, God. by the way, Reggie, most of them wound up not being true. And as a, and as a, my father, who is now man of Christ told me, he admitted to the things that he did. He told me, we had a very raw conversation and he told me, you know, when your mom divorced me, because I turned to drugs and alcohol because I didn't know what else to do. He's like, I lost you. I lost her. He goes, I didn't want to get divorced. Um, and he told me, he admitted, I spent my life chasing drugs and alcohol for a very large proportion because I was looking to hide pain and it was the only way I knew how to do it. And he says, I, I did you a, a massive disservice as a father doing so. And it takes a heck of a man to admit, Hey man, I, 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 I wrecked the ship, done right? It, done it. And then, you know, when, when my wife, and it caused me to, to turn away from my wife a little bit because I was like, not only am I going to be a bad father, but apparently when my son is born, I'm going to turn into a hot bucket of garbage for my wife. And I, I, I had, I was so broken and, and I had no, and, and the biggest problem was, is I didn't have a good, anybody I could turn to, to say, what am I supposed to do? Right. What am I supposed to do? How do I fix this? I couldn't go to my grandfather. Okay. So my grandfather, my grandparents essentially raised me, but their marriage wasn't great. They yelled at each other and called each other names and my grandfather drank constantly and my grandmother coped by basically killing herself with cigarettes and food and, and, and stress. And I, I, I literally felt like I was destined to be a bad father and a bad husband. But thankfully God did something to me when Caleb was born mm -hmm. that changed me forever as how I viewed the world, as how I viewed my wife and as how I viewed my son, instead of viewing them as this, this hurdle that I had to climb over in order to become whatever it was I was supposed to become. He changed my view of them into, they were the, the, the cornerstones of what I, what I was supposed to become, right? They were, they weren't, they weren't, things I had to achieve. I had already achieved them. I already had a great wife. I already had a son on the way. I already had a chance, right? God gave me a chance, but they were to become the cornerstone of what I was to build. Um, and unfortunately you're so right, man, because I, my mother, she did a, a ax job on me for years. And I don't, and the thing is, is I don't honestly think she even realized the damage she was doing. Right. And then, <clears throat> Because of that, I spent years just yeah, being bad at it, right? <sighs> so when I grew up, my, my mom and dad got divorced, but, but my mom didn't do that with my dad. She would occasionally try to explain something he did that I was upset about yeah, or something, right? And there was a couple of times where my mom stepped in in front of my dad and said, you ain't doing that, right? 
but she never sat there and like said, your dad's this, 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 or whatever. He's a horrible person. No. He did all these awful things. No. Now we had some other members of the family though that would, but thankfully when, when you got, when I got older, I realized that those places, that those things come from just a, a, they come from hurt. Yeah. Not necessarily by him either, by other men, whatever the case may be, you know, and it's like, it's, it gets pulled into this thing, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't get to, I didn't have that to where I felt like I was going to be a bad man, you know, um, what I did try to find this week, and you mentioned drugs and alcohol, was like how many divorces are from um, the husband who had steered towards drugs or alcohol, and then that led to like abuse or abandonment or whatever. I couldn't find any real, there's really, how would you have data behind that? But there's a vast number of situations where either it's the pressure of being the provider, the um, lack of, or the feeling of being caged in or uh, all kinds of things like that, 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 that a man can feel like in, in as being the husband and the dad that becomes overwhelming and they deal with it through drugs or alcohol. Mm hmm. Um, and this really goes back to how we talked about masculinity and everything else. And it's like, how do you, you know, you, <sighs> there is a lot of responsibility. There is a lot, there is a weight that you have to bear and, and dealing with that must be high on your list of things to do without trying to turn to something that helps you do that. Like grabbing that fifth of whatever it is, or, you know, um, Hell, now it's fentanyl, but well, yeah, or heroin well, or whatever the hell. But you can't look. That that's the thing. I I want to encourage all the men, especially, don't be afraid of counseling. Absolutely. Understand though that there's good counselors and there's bad. Yes. And don't don't get disgruntled or steer you away from counseling because you have an experience with a bad one. There's good ones out there and they can definitely help with things if you're willing to be helped. So, and I, you know, the, the, again, this brings back the whole thing about church. You know, the church can, can really help with these kind of things too. If, if your wife has a group of sound women around her that can feed her wisdom, it's a beautiful thing. If you are surrounded by men who can feed you wisdom, beautiful thing. If you have a bunch of like hens in the hen house, though, get rid of it. Yeah. Get rid of it. That'll lead somewhere you don't want to go. And you'll start having all these, you're, you'll start perceiving things that really aren't there. Well, I think it boils down to, to two things. You know, number one, any type of wise counsel, right? And, and and being able to recognize it, right? I think a lot of times we confuse people telling us what we want to hear with what wise counsel is. Pretty much. Okay. But number two, you know, both sides of a conversation are vessels, right? 
And if one is not pouring into the other, or one is pouring poison into the other, then the vessel tends to adapt whatever's going into it, right? So if you surround yourself with people who are just drama, you know, my wife and I, when we moved here, one of the things that we said when we moved here was, man, I'm carving that, we're carving that garbage out of our life. Yeah. We don't want people around us that are going to constantly bring drama to our front door or to our relationships. And we have, you know, develop some great friendships and there's a difference too. And and let me be clear about this. Drama is kind of like fanning a spark into a fire. Um, It's just a spark. It's something you're going to get past, but the people gather around and begin to start adding oxygen to that. And it becomes a fire. When you have friends who are legitimately going through something like we, Julie and I have some friends that are going through some things right now and, and they're our friends and we want to be there for them and we want to help them and we want to help hold them up and we want to try to be wise counsel for them. Right. And that's, that's, a, that's okay. That's okay to have that, man. It's okay to be that. And, and they've had, there's been times when they've had to pour into us. There's been times that our families have poured into each other, Reggie. It's just the way it is, right? Sure. It's just, it is what it is. Um, but you're right. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta, carve that garbage out because it's going to be the poison that kills the fruit. Right. And, 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 and let me tell you something, when you're in a relationship, you have a wife and you work hard to to develop things and develop, to develop, you know, a fruitful marriage and relationship and, and, and grow together. There's nothing more frustrating than when you have people attempting to kill that. Um, and it will cause resentment between you and your wife or your wife, a wife and a husband, because they will perceive problems that really aren't there. Yeah. You know, um, it's not necessarily envy so much as it is. Well, if all these other people are saying that this is real, well, there's a lot of people out there that are ghost hunters, but I'm not going out in the woods with a flashlight and a spectrometer to try to find ghosts well but uh, this know. goes th- th- that plays into what we were talking about in the very beginning about the f- court system too yeah so the divorce attorneys are going to really poke and prod and try to get the spouses to do this to each other yeah because it they're trying to get everything one way or the other and all this you know let's be honest they're trying to get paid yeah, they are. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the thing you got to understand about that whole thing. They're getting paid to be that way. Yeah. And it's, I mean, look, I, the, the lawsuits are lawsuits and stuff, but I mean, you know, if you got, if, I'm going to tell you, if you got kids involved, I don't really care what your problems are. Yeah. You better do what you, you do, you do what's best for the children, period. And you know what? You got, you got into that mess. You're going to have to do some things you don't want to do. Now, thankfully, when I went through my divorce, we didn't have any kids, you know. Um, and like I said, I don't want to get into why we we that that happened. What, but what I will say is that, you know, there was it was clear. Um, I did try to make some things rectify some things and I even 
put some stipulations like, hey, this is kind of how we have to go forward. Didn't want to do it. So it was gone. I was like, okay, that's enough. We're not doing that anymore. So, but I didn't have kids in the way. Mm -hmm. You know, if there would have been kids there, I don't think I would have been divorced. I think I would have kept trying and kept trying and kept trying because it was going to be what best for the kids. So I don't know. I think, I think children make things different and it should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, let's, it all starts before you even get married. Yeah. And making choices back then that affect your marriage overall. Well, you know, one of the things I want to talk about while we're talking about this is, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about how, about what verses mean when it comes to marriage and, and things like that. And, you know, there's a, there's a great website called abuse recovery ministry.com. Um, but they had some stuff that I, I just, it just really resonated with me when I read it. And, you know, um, there were statements and one says God hates divorce, right? That's a bold statement. If you read it as is, and the reference to that is Malachi two sixteen. The verse actually says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and him who covers his garment, his wife, with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit and what you do not de- and that you do not deal treacherously. Now, what does that mean? It means God hates divorce because of the devastation it brings to the family. But he also hates a man who covers his wife with any type of wrong or violence, right? Another huge statement is wife submission. Again, wow. Reference Ephesians 5, 21 through 31. What the victim is told, wives are to submit to their husbands. Uh, the verse actually say, now here's, here's the trick. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his bo- church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What this means, this entire section starts with the command, submit to one another. Yep. At a part, and part of the passage commands husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church. This means unconditional love with an attitude of being the head servant. Let me say that again, the head servant, right? So that's a message to husbands and wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as your husband is submitting to be the head servant in the family, right? And the last one is women are the weaker vessel. Reference 1 Peter 3, 7. What the victims are told, the woman is the weaker vessel. The verse actually says, husbands in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives, treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It really means when the Bible refers to women as the weaker vessel, this means physically weaker. It doesn't mean spiritually weaker, emotionally weaker. The verse is clear that husbands are to respect their wives. So, you know, I kind of feel like there's a lot of skipping that gets done. There's a lot of, and and what's funny is there are several of those attorneys' websites 
that like to start with what does God say about divorce? And none of it is true. It's all either misquoted, misconception, or completely made up. But, you know, one of the things I wish we we could understand more is divorce goes beyond legality, right? I think that's really the message that we're trying to send here is divorce is, is, is the big ripple. It goes, it has legal ramifications. It has spiritual ramifications. It has emotional, physical, you know, mental ramifications. We need to look at divorce, unfortunately, as the nuclear option, right? Because that's what it is. If we look at it, it's the nuclear option, right? Yeah. And I mean, let's let's go back to this weaker vessel thing. It, it It's really talking about providing provision for the family, too. The, yeah. the man, especially in that time, was exclusively really doing the providing and yes. provisioning for the family. Absolutely. So it wasn't really that it, it is about physicality, true, because some of the translations there do talk about that. But there's there's more to it about being a provision and providing for the family. And that's why they're not, they're just not as likely to do, they can't do that as much. One, there's a, I looked at a couple of different um, texts from uh, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible and the Lexham Bible Dictionary, right? Just to kind of get some more insight on this. And commentaries really kind of echoed everything that was here for one I really dug into a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to quote this. Uh, Jesus made exceptions that established the right of a spouse wronged by an unfaithful mate to press for divorce. That's in Matthew 5.32.19.9 as well. Obviously, the wronged spouse has the option of maintaining the marriage bond despite the breach of commitment by the unfaithful mate. But in view of the exception allowed by Scripture, the obligation to maintain or reinstate the disrupted marriage may not be imposed upon the innocent spouse. So biblically speaking, the one who has been wronged has all the it's everything in their corner really as far as how what they want to do i mean we got to be clear about this the other exception that justifies divorce according to the nt is new testament is desertion although the provisions of 1 corinthians 7:15 refer primarily to desertion by an unbelieving spouse it should be noted that a believer guilty of desertion is to be treated as an unbeliever. First Timothy 5.8, behavior equivalent to the abandonment of the marriage relationship constitutes a breach of conjugal commitment and becomes subject to the provision stated in 1 Corinthians 7.15. So that gets back to what you were talking about, um, about that 1 Corinthians verse 2. Mm-hmm. There, it, you do, you, you breached that commitment. Yeah. Even if you're an, even if you're a believer, you, you, You've done it. Doesn't doesn't really matter if you're unbeliever or not. You did it, yeah. right? Okay. There's some other. Talk, I don't really want to get into this, but there's like in in uh, in the Lexham Lexham Bible Dictionary it does talk about how like the Levitical priests are restricted from marrying some women here and there, um, but um, Deuteronomy protects some rights of women, preventing a man from falsely accuses. A man who falsely accuses his wife of not being a virgin at the time of marriage from ever divorcing her. Um, so there was like in that time period of Deuteronomy, because a lot of people go to that for their. I, I really want to bring that to attention because it's like there's a lot of that that's like from that time period. Mm-hmm. 
they talk about the, you know, if the, if the woman's not a virgin and all this kind of stuff. So I, I, I would love for that to apply in 2023, <laughs> but, but it's like, it should. And I really point this out just because, I mean, I, 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 I'm, if you're willing to have sexual intercourse with someone, it's not just sexual intercourse. It's there's a, there can be some things that happen. You mm-hmm. have to understand no matter what birth control or whatever you're using, they can fail. That's right. There's always a percentage. So, I mean, look, abstinence is the way to go for those who are unmarried. I, I just want to say that that'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll solve a lot of problems that you will have if you don't. Okay. Um, I, I, okay. Anyway, Paul instructs believers, men and women to not divorce an unbelieving spouse. He claims that the holiness of the believer will make the household holy. He does, or I'm sorry, he hopes that by staying together, the believing spouse might save the unbeliever. If the unbeliever leaves the believer, however, the believer is not held accountable for the separation. First Corinthians seven, 12 through 16. Now, Jesus allows divorce only in the case of marital infidelity and uh, unless the marriage is also if the marriage is unlawful. Okay. That's Matthew 5, 32, 1990 again. But so marriage is unlawful. At the heart of the debate lies a difference in the translation. And this is what this is the, the pornea is, 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 rev, uh, is the Greek there that is used in. Matthew there, pornea, where it's where we get porn, um, comes from. And, and so define that here's the definition of pornea. This is important. Any kind of extramarital, unlawful, or unnatural sexual intercourse, when distinguished from adultery, extramarital intercourse, sexual immorality, or fornication, a synonym for adultery, uh, metaphorical as apostasy from God through adultery. Okay. So, so look, it, it has a broader definition from just being that. So, so I, I, those are just like some details I thought were important to when we're talking about divorce to kind of understand that. Mm-hmm. Also, we have to refer back to what Jesus talks about when he's talking about sin and behavior and stuff. And he, when he says that your thoughts, if you, if you think about committing a sin, you've committed the sin. Yes. Okay. That whole thing Jesus talks about, um, so, so really, you got to think about it. Like, if you've thought about being unfaithful, you've played it out through your head. You've done it, and the really that's what God thinks too. You've you've allowed that to be a thought pattern in your mind. You've actually really committed it already. So, there's really not <laughs> probably for almost everybody on the planet that that <laughs> you've probably already committed it. You know? Yeah. So. And I say that because we're all, we, we still have to come to these places. Even when we're talking about marital problems, all this stuff is like, we're still damaged goods. Born that way. We still think the wrong things and we, we try to stop them and everything else. But look, you're still not perfect. You're still doing things wrong. You're still thinking wrong thoughts. There's still grounds for things that you're thinking about that could, you know, you may not tell people that no one would know, but God knows. Yeah. Okay. So 
you know, just don't, don't just assume because you didn't go out and sleep with your secretary that you haven't committed adultery. If you've really thought that through and thought about it, you've done it. And that's what God sees. So don't think you're off the hook, I guess is what I'm saying. And be humble and pray about it. If you're a Christian, that's that's how you should really approach this whole thing. Yeah. Well said, my friend. Well said. So we've all we've all look, we all know people. We've all but most of us have people in our family that's been divorced. We've been divorced ourselves or something. It it's not cool. It's not it's not a pleasant thing. I will say there's been many times that I've spoken to people where I thought they need to be divorced. And that, and I only said that because there's some abuse. There's some extreme adultery going on that is just not, they, they've just gone off the deep end. Addictions have come to play and they're just unsafe to be around for their family. There's things like that, that I've, I've really thought this needs to stop. They need to get away. And I've counseled them on that very thing. And I don't feel bad about that one bit. So I, I, that's what I want to say. And I think the Christian people, the Christian churches out there who just preach that divorces never get divorced. Never, never, never. You're wrong. I agree. Do I, do I believe that again, divorce should be the first option under no circumstance. Do I believe that that is the case, but do I believe that, there are situations in which it is the only possible path to safety um, or the only solution. Yes, there are times when it is the only path to safety or to the right solution. Yeah. And one of the things I would encourage, you know, what I like to call the, the, the gossipers in the pew Um. Don't judge the situation till you know the circumstances. And even then, don't judge the situation. It's not your job, right? Your job is to step up and support that person. Be honest with that person. Give them counseling that they need. Love on them like you're supposed to love on them. Um, and, and keep moving, right? And keep loving and keep doing the things you're supposed to be doing. Stop, stop with the whole, the whole, you know, holier than thou garbage. Oh, you're divorced. It happens, man. People, we are a broken. You don't know people, the reasons. And until you have a conversation with that person that. and you find out why, shut up. Pray for them. Yeah. Give well, them love and support. On the on the subject of the gossipers, here's here's also what, I, and I'm going to talk directly to the men. Mm-hmm. Don't give them ammunition. Yep. If you're you, you're working late in your office and it's just you and this one girl and you're the only two in the office, you get the hell out of there. Yep. If, if you got to go on a business trip and you got to drive whatever and you the only it's only you and this other woman, no, rent a car for her. Yeah. do something. Don't be don't just allow your don't allow yourself to be in these positions of where that could be slanderous. Yeah. Now there's sometimes you can't. I mean, look, I understand this, and I'm not saying that. But you're just to those guys out there. I've I've been here, where you know, 
you open yourselves up to be, you know, it's like a, there's a possibility there. You don't want that. You yeah. really don't want that. Yeah. And so, you know, if you can avoid it, do it. Well, I mean, I've even gotten to the position where I won't be in a room with a woman with a closed door alone. Right. Exactly. Because not because I'm going to do anything, but because somebody's going to be, Ooh, what's going on in there? Cause people are ridiculous. And, you know, um, you know, I, I don't do a lot of, you know, I don't mind physical contact with another female, but I don't do that in a private setting. You know, I have I mean? a real example of this though. I had a, I had a acquaintance of mine. I won't say who it is. They had a business and their secretary and he worked late all the time. And then, and I knew he wasn't messing around with this girl at all. Like he had, he didn't have any interest. There's no interest in there with him and this girl mm-hmm. at all. But because these people in the office kept saying stuff, his wife started to believe it and drove him away. Mm-hmm. Like she just couldn't bear it. And it, he wasn't, he didn't do anything. It was like, just because there was like a possibility of it. Now there's other issues here, but I'm just saying that, you know, if, if that, if that situation wouldn't have been there in the first place and it could have been avoided, you know, it's just, you know, that, that'll, it'll tear people. It'll tear them. And and let me tell you something. Satan wants that to happen. He's working to do just that. Don't give him ammunition. Just don't do it. If you can look, there's been several different times in my corporate career, even over the last few years, you're going to be in a situation where it's just like you and some other with the whatever that you could, you know, people can start talking about whatever it is if they want to. But, you know, that that comes up to your foundation of your marriage. And if you're what you because I know I know my wife, Julie, she would be like, yeah, you're damn mind. There's no yeah. <laughs> she would because, I mean, there's no it's not. But if it happens a lot, you know, and this is what happened to him. He it just was a constant thing. And it opened the possibility that something may be going on. And it went from like the little joking to like, oh, I think they are. And then, you know, it just got to his wife and it's just over and over again. And finally, she just believed it. And that's that, that, that's what happens if you allow that to, to occur for sure. And then the court system, like I've said, doesn't believe him, believes her. Yeah. And, and he lost half his business. So do yourself a favor (laughs) Just try to avoid those type of things. Absolutely. Look at the at the center of it. If you think like your if you think about your marriage like Christ told you to think about it, you won't have any issues. Um, if you start having problems, there's and if you just have an argument and you think that's grounds for a divorce, you're wrong. Yeah. There's there's really only some very few select things that are that are that deem a divorce to be valid. And uh, we we must look at those seriously, but you know, pretty there's a there's a quite a bit of stuff, especially in the today's era, that are not grounds for divorce, that should be worked out, that could be worked out, but there's just a we don't want to. Well, and and let me also encourage this. I think when we talk about divorce, we talk about what I would call 
unimaginably difficult circumstances to get to divorce, right? Um, and I know this is a very difficult thing to say coming from me because I haven't experienced it, but I feel like if you're in a situation and a spouse was to cheat, um, seek counseling first, right? Make sure that you explore every avenue before you make that final cut. Um, we're broken people. We make mistakes, you know, and, and when, when you're in that situation, the best advice I can give you is protect your marriage until there's nothing to protect, right? If this is a person who's out here habitually cheating and is just not going to stop, dude, you're not going to protect yourself from that. Just get away. But you never know what underlying causes or strains or stresses that are going on in your marriage. And I'm not saying there's blame on one side or the other could cause a one-time break or somebody to do something foolish or make a bad decision. Yeah. Right. So I am in no way telling every woman or man for that matter, who's ever been in that situation. Oh, bolt. But I am telling you that if you can't fix it, if the behavior doesn't change itself, or if your trust is broken to the point where you can't rebuild it, you got to go, right? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's the only option you have outside of living in a broken, unloving, you know, mistrust filled marriage. You know. It's not somewhere you want to be. I mean, it's it's not pleasant no matter what. The, I mean, it really isn't. But at the end of the day, though, I will just say that I am, am, am you know, there there is reasons to be divorced, and there and it, it it turns out to be a good thing. You see the fruits of that later, and that's what I just want to say. It's just like you know, there there. Look, the marriage covenant is sacred. You're one flesh. Yep. You're ripping yourself apart if you get divorced. But just don't stick around for some nonsense that's like some dude's beating you up, um, getting drunk all the time and, you know, either hitting you or your kids. No. If if you got some infidelity stuff, like you said, no, get out. Or, you know, I'm going to flip it. I've had some friends who have been in some relationships with women who were just horrible to them. Yes. That treated them like garbage cheated on them, lied to them, stole money from their bank accounts. Um, yeah, it goes both ways, man. It does. Like, it's, it's, it's just a, don't take it lightly. It's the best thing I can say. And, and, and the best way to, to help prepare yourself for it is, I mean, I'm going to say this and a lot are going to disagree to have a faith-based approach to it. You know, God will take you in the right direction if you're following him. So just follow him, you know, Follow God, follow the rules, and I think you'll be good. You know? Like, dislike, comment, subscribe. All of the above. Because we want to hear from you. We really do. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. That's right. Facebook and Instagram. When will this episode be up, sir? Probably a th- couple days. No, it's a, we, we're, we're uploading every... Technically Thursday at midnight. All right. So Thursday at midnight. Sweet. Can't wait to hear from you. 
These are two guys. These are two mics. These are two chairs. Have a good night. See ya. 